Corporate Unplugged opens the door to a world of people transforming business. They share their dreams, their experiences, and what they would never give up. I'm so glad to have uh, Gary Ridge here with me from San Diego. Welcome to my podcast, Gary. Uh, G'day. It's wonderful to be with you. I'm so actually happy that my friend Karen Volo put you and your company on my radar as a, as a great example of, of what can truly happen when you get the company culture uh, right and when it really works. I just wanted to uh, give a very short info about you and your company before we kick off so everybody is, is aware. Gary uh, is the chairman and uh, CEO of WD. 40 company, a San Diego, California-based manufacturer of household and multi-use products sold in 176 countries. And the company has one of the highest employee engagement rates in the world. And Gary is also uh, working as an adjunct professor at the University of San Diego, where he teaches leadership development, talent management, and succession planning in the Master of Science in Executive Leadership Program. You, you've created an, an extraordinary extraordinary culture in your your company, teamwork with other people, of course, but with, with a very strong sense of belonging and, and uh, meaning. How did you know uh, what was the right thing to do, actually? What was guiding you? I don't know that I did know what the right thing was to do, and I guess that was the curiosity that started the adventure. Back in uh, 1994, I, I moved from Sydney, Australia, which is my home, to San Diego to be here at WD40's global uh, office. And in 1997, uh, I got the opportunity to lead the company. And, and it was that time that I realized that micromanagement wasn't scalable. And if we were going to realize our dream, which at that time was to really take our blue and yellow can with a little red top to the world, we had to create a culture that wasn't micromanaging, that set people free, that gave them freedom. And I, I learned that because I went back to school. Just after I became CEO, I went back to school. I went to the University of San Diego. I did a master's degree of leadership. That's where I met my dear friend, Ken Blanchard, the one minute manager who was one of my professors. Subsequently, we wrote a book together, but I really was intrigued with the power of servant leadership. Aristotle said in 384 BC, pleasure in the job puts perfection in the work. And I really believe that that's something that we need to do to build an economic environment for our companies that firstly serves the people in the organization. And if we take care of them, uh, they will take care of our customers. So that's where the journey began. How do you feel that you've changed or, or, or grown as a leader in this last, let's say, decade? I've got very comfortable with a lot of things. Um, I've got comfortable with the three most powerful words that are, have a great meaning to me. Those words are, I don't know. I've got very comfortable with being probably wrong and roughly right in most circumstances. I've got comfortable with understanding that leadership is a balance between being tough-minded and tender-hearted. I've got really comfortable with respecting, honoring, and cherishing, and being very grateful for the people that come to work every day and bring their best selves to work. And with the responsibility that 
our job as a leader is to help people step into the best version of their personal self. That's like music to my ears. <laughs> but tell me, do you know many leaders out there that think like this and that operate like this? No, but I think there is a growing community of leaders who understand that being someone who is a servant leader is going to pay dividends. And uh, at least in corporate America, they're not just talking about the purpose of businesses to create a bottom line. Certainly it is to create a bottom line, but it's also to create a community that people come to work. You know, I often say, imagine a place where you go to work every day, you make a contribution to something bigger than yourself, you have a just cause, you learn something new, you feel safe, you're set free by a set of compelling values, and you go home happy. And our job is to send people home happy because today, business has a bigger opportunity than ever before to change the world. And how do we do that? By creating workplaces that actually are beneficial to people's lives through helping them be better, be educated better, and treated with respect and dignity. And that's so important. I, I mean, so many leaders uh, that are frustrated that they feel that they would like to work like this, but then uh, they say we don't have any you know, official particular, specific, concrete KPIs that are measuring these aspects. What do, what do you say to them? I say that's an excuse because they haven't tried it. You know, I know Simon Sinek's a good friend of mine. His latest book, The Infinite Game, really tells the story. We have to play the infinite game. We have to build a culture where values plus behavior times consistency creates the environment that actually produces the results. Interestingly enough, we've proven you can do it. In the 20 years that we've been becoming better, a better servant leader company, you know, we've forexed our revenue, we've 10xed our market cap, and we've taken our employee engagement to 93% compared to the average that's out there that's about 33%. And 99% of our people globally say they love to tell people they work at WD40 company. And here's a, here's a one that'll blow your mind. 96% of our tribe members say they respect their coach, who is their boss. Not like, but respect. So I think we have proven that if your focus is around building a highly, a servant-led, highly engaged culture, you will get the results. But it's simple, not easy, and time is not your friend. And if you take the short-sighted view that I have to have this result in the next 90 days, you won't get it because you can't sprinkle fairy dust over an organization and turn it into a, a culture that produces the sorts of results that people can produce if they're given the opportunity to do it in a caring or a way, showing candor, accountability and responsibility. I read somewhere, I think it was somewhere on uh, in an interview or so with you, you said that our values grant us freedom so we can each make autonomous decisions, yet still act as, as one. And that's, I think, is the beauty of, of these things. When you have such a strong um, corporate culture and a strong, as you say, tribe, I mean, there is a self-leadership built into it. And, and 
the energy and the, the focus is directed on the right in the right on the right things. Oh yes. You know, Seth Godden often says when he relates to values, people like us do things like this. And our values really are a reflection of people like us do things like this. And our six values that we have, which are hierarchical, are the written reminders of the only acceptable behavior in the organization. But they're there not to restrict people, they're there to set them free. So we are very clear around what each of our values stand for. And we expect these values to be used, and they are used as people make decisions and you know move through the organization doing their daily work. But would you say, I remember one, once um, a couple of years ago, I spoke to Richard Barrett, who's working very, very much with, with values. And he's, he said that the va- value is an expression of a need. So you might have a certain value as a person or as a company today, but in a few years, you've evolved and you've, you've reached a point where you have other kinds of needs, which are expressed through a certain set of values. So those things change. Is that your opinion as well? Well, to us, values, a set of values are a number of statements of, of behaviours and outcomes that have hierarchically are more important than others. The values that we have at the company have pretty much been the same for the last 20 plus years. And, you know, some people say, you see some values where they say honesty and integrity are values. They're not values, they're prerequisites. Our values are statements of what we believe is more important above other things. For example, our number one value is we value doing the right thing. I don't care in what decade you live, valuing doing the right thing to us still holds as number one value. Well, Gary, getting back to you uh, as, as a person, what would you say is your um, passion? Uh, that, uh, you know, the, the word that means comes from the Latin patire, which means something that you are really also willing to suffer for if needed. What, what is that to you? I think it aligns pretty much with, you know, what we see as our, our purpose for living. And, and my passion is to create positive, lasting memories. And when we talk about positive, lasting memories, I often say that I have the most beautiful job in the world. I get up every day to help people create positive, lasting memories. The most exciting part of that is finding all the different ways to do that. If you look at the just cause we has, have an organize, as an organization, it is to make life better at home and at work. So I don't think there's, I'm passionate about making life better. I'm passionate about creating positive, lasting memories. I'm passionate about helping people create organizations where people actually like coming to work. Therefore, they communicate with each other. They build personal communication skills. They remove as much as they can fear. They have a place to belong because belonging is so important. And unfortunately, today, through some of the great technology I must grant that we have, we're creating atmospheres and conditions where we're forcing people not to be natural human beings. You know, we're we're social animals. We need to socialize. We need to be with people to be able to um, bring out the best in ourselves. And it's not going to happen over a, a texting message or an email. So what would you say are the mo- the transformational points in your life that have influenced you the most? I think that any time I have had a meaningful disruption in my normal course of life, it's been meaningful to me. You know, I love 
Whitney Johnson's work where she talks about disrupt yourself. And only when I got to know Whitney better and I reflected on, you know, her talking about when you have a disruption, did it really become clear to me that there have been points in my life where I've had meaningful, you know, disrupting myself. Example being when I moved to the US. Example being when I went back to school and did my master's in leadership. Example being when I actually became CEO. These have been times that have brought new learning to me and, you know, had me stand back and say, what does this mean? What do I believe around this? And how can I be a better person from this disruption that I've just gone through? And in terms of um, companies, I think that they are a very good, I think maybe even the best instrument we have nowadays in the world to actually change things for, for the better. So so my question is then, what, what long-term solutions for business do you believe in? Can we say that there is some kind of common denominator formula, let's say, that every company today should adhere to? I would give them a, some suggestions. Um, and this has only come from the learning that we've had over 20 years. The number one thing is you have to have a, a leadership group that is truly dedicated to the value of the people. It's all about the people. And our job is to create that culture. The second one is, do you have a clear purpose or a just cause? So is there something that people are proud of talking about that bring them to work every day, not just to do the, the work that they do, but to be able to talk about the good in the work that they do? Are there a set of clear values that set people free and at the same time as setting them free, protect them from the environment that they're in? Certainly, you've got to have a clear strategy and you've got to be a great executor. And then I guess over all of that, you've got to be a learning organization. You've got to be curious. You've got to really understand the power of learning, taking away fear. You know, we say we don't make mistakes. We have learning moments. And that's been very powerful in our organization because it's allowed people to be curious and experiment and know that they're not going to be overly criticized because something didn't go exactly the way it should. Hence why I often say I'm probably wrong and roughly right in most circumstances, but we're extremely curious and we really embrace learning. And I think if you think of those elements as being important and then care for your people, be candid with them, hold them accountable and be responsible. Sometimes I, I get to hear that in believing that corporations and companies are our best instruments to create you know, long-lasting change, I get to hear that I might be idealistic, <laughs> that uh, on the verge of naive and so on. I, what, do you, what do you say about that? Because, for example, your company can, can uh, look like, like the perfect you know, case example that really works, that really makes this difference. Why are people skeptical? Because... They think in a finite way instead of an infinite way. And if they're saying that we're idealistic, what gives them the basis to say that? Is that just a shield because they're afraid? You know, and particularly if they're a public company, they're going to be um, held to a, a very short-term outcome scenario because people are looking for immediate results and that doesn't happen. So I have empathy for people who aren't brave enough to be able to understand that treating people right brings good results. But I'll go back to Aristotle. He was very clear. 
Pleasure in the job puts perfection in the work. If it's our responsibility to deliver perfection in the work, isn't it it our responsibility to create pleasure in doing it? I know, and I'm sure you are the same, that you do your best work when you're enjoying what you're doing. So, you know, why should we create these environments and where, where people aren't doing that? You know, I created this ultra ego guy called Al, the soul sucking CEO. And Al, the soul sucking CEO, has some attributes. And let me just share them with you real quick. And I'm sure your listeners will say, I know this person. So Al is a master of control. He knows it all. Servant leaders involve their people and love their people. There's the difference. Number two, Al is corporate royalty. He's the one that has the biggest office or she has the biggest office where leaders uh, are always in servant leadership mode. Al says learning is for losers. Leaders are expected to be competent and are very curious. Al's ego eats his empathy instead of his empathy eating his ego. Servant leaders are all about empathy for their people, not about their own personal ego. Al has all the answers. Leaders love learning moments. Al must always be right. Leaders have a harder gold and a backbone of steel so that they can get that balance between being tough-minded and tender-hearted. Al, the soul-sucking CEO, has a fear-based culture. Leaders are champions of hope. Al says micromanagement is essential. Leaders know micromanagement isn't scalable. Al does not follow through on his commitments or her commitments. Leaders always do what they say they're going to do. And Al hates feedback. So there is a description of someone whose whose behaviours create a culture where people don't enjoy what they're doing. Therefore, they're not going to create their biggest work or their best work. That was a good uh, good one. <laughs> and and uh, if you would be forced to give like one piece of advice to, to leaders out there, what would that be? It's not about you. It's about the people that you're there to lead. Leadership is not about being in charge. It's about taking care of the people in your charge. Let go of your ego, become a servant leader, and really benefit from the joy that brings because our job is to help people step into the best version of their personal self. And Gary, if you would assume that you have like all doors open to you and all resources available right now, uh, what would you then rush to innovate or change? Uh, You know, be it in your environment or or elsewhere in the world? Well, this is going to be an interesting answer, but I don't know that there's a single thing you can do. What I would believe is so important is to really understand that empathy and paying and being respectful and treating people with respect and dignity is really important. And trying to do something around you know, discouraging the, the real terrible disease of loneliness that's out there right now that's being created by this separation that's caused in many, many ways. Yeah, that's a really a huge, um, huge problem with with this sense of loneliness. And I'm experiencing just like firsthand now, uh, uh, as I'm uh, right now in, in Milan, we are on this lockdown situation because of the coronavirus. And we are all kind of, we, sh- we shouldn't, uh, you know, be together with anybody. So we are all isolated in our micro families and so on. 
And this sense of loneliness is really, really, really taking its toll. I can see people getting more, not just fearful, but they're just getting more, you know, sad. And it's like um, being social and being with people is a necessity. It's our oxygen. And you know what happens in the, in the absence of being able to have that interaction with people? We start telling ourselves stories. And those stories become our truth. And, you know, one of the great things about being able to interact with people, you're able to share points of view and it has you think. But could you imagine if the only person we ever believed was ourself? And isolation creates us to only believe ourselves. And then it's natural that we start making up stories because our reptilian brain is saying, is this good or is it bad? Am I safe or unsafe? Is this for me or against me? And it starts to go into protection mode and people start to make up these horrible stories that no, nobody's helping them not believe and they become depressed. You know, this is a serious situation. Yeah. And by the way, when we are talking about this coronavirus, even if everybody's, you know, fed up thinking about it, even because it's so, so dense, uh, what are you, are you doing anything in particular right now in your company in order to be on the alert or, or proactive? Yeah, of course. Um, the number one responsibility and, and love we have is to protect our people. So we're communicating with our people on a regular basis. We have a issue response leadership team that I've put together globally. We're meeting regularly. I, we're reviewing the situation. Uh, we're, we're then um, course correcting or pivoting to make sure that number one, our people are safe. Uh, and then number two, to um, help provide them with whatever support we can to help them get through it. This too will pass. Right now, it's all about communication, communication, and also you know, having great sources of reliable um, data. The World Health Organization has a great website that we're, we're plugged into. We're monitoring it on a daily basis. We've made decisions to cancel things that we're, we were going to do where we felt we would put our people at risk. So uh, it's really today, it's about keeping being closer to our people than ever before. Yeah. At least here, there's a lot of discussions about, uh, at the end of the day, I know very many people that have, during the last couple of weeks, only lost their work because of this. And one would say, come on, this is temporary, you know, hold on. But there's a lot of um, sectors that are directly impacted in such a big way that they just have to release people. So even if obviously we're doing this to protect uh, everyone as much as possible uh, and so on, it, it really has uh, enormous financial effects on people already now. I agree. It's tough. You know, I, I feel for the people of, of Italy because we're coming into the summer and tourism is huge. It touches so many areas, uh, whether it be Tourism is one of them. Um, you know, people are, are cancelling their, their vacations. They're again, they're isolating. And let's just hope that uh, you know we get some light at the end of the tunnel soon, and this passes through, so we can let people get back with their life. But um, you know, I was in in Sicily only a couple of weeks ago, and I was in Colleon doing a tour there, and I was talking to a tour guide there, and this hadn't even got anywhere close to the escalation that it is now. But this person was extremely concerned. You know, they had bookings out into the summer and people were kind of hearing, they were hearing noises now that this might not happen. And he he said, I don't know what I'm going to do. This is my income for the year and it may well evaporate. So it's serious times. 
if you were to give an advice to yourself, I don't know, like 15 or so years ago, what would that have been? Um, I'm often asked that question, you know, and, and one of the challenges I have in life is actually remembering 15 years ago. <laughs> but I, I think the thing that I, I would, if I had to live it over again, because I, I think advice comes from experiences and, and, you know, it's hindsight is twenty twenty, And I think living forward now, the advice I try to give myself is to be even more open-minded to continue to question why I believe what I believe, to really understand that it's about empathy, not ego, to be very comfortable with with not having to know everything. But I, I have this thing, you know, education is when you read the fine print. Experiences is when you don't. If you put both of those two together, you actually get learning. From learning comes knowledge and knowledge comes wisdom. So I think in life, we go through this journey of education experience, you know, learning, knowledge, wisdom, education experience. So I guess the advice I would give myself is continue to do that. What do you think right now is the most, most important thing for companies to focus on right now? Building a place where people go to work every day, they make a contribution to something bigger than themselves, they learn something new, they're protected and set free by a set of values and they go home happy. Creating a culture that helps people step into the best version of their personal self and from that purpose-driven, passionate people guided by their values will create amazing outcomes. And uh, <clears throat> Gary, just to finish off with, a, with a, if possible, a bigger, a bigger question, what do you think the world needs most at this time? Love. Mm. love both you mean love for themselves and for others and for the whole world or yes we need to realize that we need to be grateful and we need to realize that life is a gift and we shouldn't send it back unwrapped and we should be balanced and try and be more compassionate and it's not about me 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 it's about all of us surviving and do you see around you um, that we are like moving in that in that direction of, of people being increasingly aware of this fact? Sometimes I see it in some circles and others I don't. So, you know, I, I guess it's a matter of how many can influence how many, which is really important. Are you involved in any other um, organizations or networks and so on in order to, uh, you know, have a good impact above and beyond your, your company, of course? Well, yeah, I'm, I'm involved in, the, in a group uh, that is dedicated to paying it forward. It's called the MG100. It's a group that was led by being formed by Marshall Goldsmith. And there's about 200 of us in that group globally now that are dedicated to paying forward our principles of leadership. Uh, which I think is really important. Um, so that's one of the areas that I'm really focused on. And then, of course, I'm, I try, uh, you know, I teach at USD and a couple of other universities where I try to share that uh, the experiences we have had are worthy of people considering because it can create better outcomes. And then there's, you know, you know non-for-profit and philanthropic things that I privately am involved with that 
probably don't mean much to anybody else. <laughs> <laughs> what is on the top of, of mind of, of the people that you are um, meeting at the universities, you know, be it students or, or executives that you teach at the master program and so on? What do you feel is, is on top of their priorities right now versus maybe five, ten years ago? I think there's a bigger awareness around the impact we can make on the world, um, both from a climate, from a sustainability and from an era, a way of, of, of actually impacting cultures within organizations. So I think, I think it is starting to raise its awareness, but I think people are thinking more about what are we building for tomorrow than they did 10 or 15 years ago. Yeah, thank God it's like that, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Gary, so um, thank you so, so much, and thanks for sharing everything. And um, yeah, just out of curiosity, I wanted to ask you, how was it to be on the podcast? I, it was great, and I again, I appreciate, and you led us into talking about the areas that are really important in the world today, which is, you know, how do we – build a better world for people to be able to enjoy what they do, create happiness, which is so important. So I thank you so much for that opportunity and thank you for the work you're doing to get and spread the word of goodness out there. Thank you so much, Gary. Thanks. And for people to find out more, uh, they can, of course, head to your website, uh, wd40company.com. And also I will post uh, links and show notes on uh, corporateunplugged.com. Yeah, and I also have a website called www.thelearningmoment.net, which uh, I write blogs on and stuff. Mm -hmm. Okay, great. Remember to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Spotify, and Acast, and share this episode with people you know would benefit from hearing this. Please rate and uh, review this podcast if you enjoyed it. And thank you so much for listening. And until next time, live with purpose and remember to unplug. Ciao.